Welcome to Space Bros, the science fiction movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary. And I'm Kate. And with us again is our special guest, the psychiatrist of our dreams who can go into your mind and change your reality. Megan Whitney, what's up, girl? Hey, thanks for having me again. No, thank you for joining us again. So you are you listeners are joining us for part two of our coverage of the Netflix original limited series Maniac. Um, in part one, we covered episodes uh, one through four, and now we are coming back to uh, wrap it up with five through six. Um, if you didn't listen to the first part, you might wanna, but also at the same time, I'm not your mom, so do what you want. Yeah, live live your best life, guys. But uh, yeah. this will make a lot more sense if you listen to part one. Anyway, so just a little brief overview where we picked up. Our heroes are still experiencing the B-pill. And here we're starting with the seance. After this, they're going to check out the C-pill. In our B-plot, we get to experience the breakdown of science and ethics. And uh, our series wraps up with a option C level conclusion. Okay, now that that sounds sufficiently uh, not spoilery, even though we're about to spoil everything, let's dive in. <laughs> Something that we didn't really talk about before were kind of the doctors in, in, involved in the study. Um, but there's a lot of ethics play uh, in this. Uh, they threaten Annie that they're going to take her out of the study. They tell the participants that they waived ethics when they signed on. Owen is told that uh, he and Annie weren't actually experiencing the same reality with the B-pill. Um, no one is told that they're in danger, even though uh, everyone might die. Um, so let's dig into some of the power dynamics uh, and these reflections. Who's really in control of them? What are the creators saying about power and experimentation? And what uh, what's going on with these doctors and some uh, power and gaslighting? So, I mean, I will say I don't agree with Mantle Ray Sr. a whole lot about the things she says. But the one line where she says to her son, you know, you have forgotten the Hippocratic Oath. I was like, yes, yes, he has. <laughs> because what is happening with this study? Like, what is going on? I just couldn't yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because we see her like she she's propped up as like maybe being a little bit too pop psychology, a little bit too ridiculous. And she's like definitely the voice of reason when she comes in like the no, this isn't OK. Uh, what what the hell is in McMurphy? Oh, people are just going brain dead. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah. You know? Oh, also, can we talk about McMurphy's? I love that term. Like I looked it up. Do you guys know what it's from? I do. But tell us. So it's the guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Jack Nicholson's character who dies. So he gets, well, well, he gets, gets lobotomized, lobotomized yeah. at the end. He doesn't die. Uh, eh, close enough. All right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Fair. Close enough. He's veg. He's vegetized. Yeah. Veg- yeah. Veg- yes. <laughs> One thing that I thought was really interesting about this story and 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 rang true to me, I think this is sort of like something that we we sort of know, but also it's it's a, it's a thing that's creeping up on people and disturbing them is that. Just because something is new and um, seems like it's developed by experts doesn't mean it's actually safe or good. Um, And the reason for that is because all of this stuff is driven by big money, right? Like you see uh, you see Dr. Fujita like go to the the shadowy boardroom and talk to that old fashioned television set who is the money about like what's happening. And and you kind of get the sense that she is 
driven by this sense of duty, both to the shareholders, but also to her product. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yes, we got to get this to market. Like this can help people. I believe in that. But ultimately the pressure to, to not quite get it right, to get it right enough is because it has to be, it has to be scalable and it has to be marketable and it has to be cheap enough so that they can make a profit from it, which means that safety is sort of taking a back seat in all of this. Yeah. Which, as a designer in an agency environment, I fully understand. I really identified with her in that moment where it's like, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to make the customer happy. And you're like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> really? Like, it doesn't have to yeah. work? Don't you think we should well, test it or something? It's fascinating okay. because uh, uh, she definitely believes in the product. Like, she's not just trying to... Um, gaslight people and get it through like she she thinks it's going to save so many lives and that you know it's like a utilitarian principle it, it's worth the risks because of the you know hundreds of thousands of people who will be cured from human suffering from depression like there are some real big claims behind the study like you know we're going to uh remove the need for psychiatry altogether uh which has nothing to do with the fact that my mom is a psychiatrist and i have a real problem with that um but but you'll never need therapy again because we're gonna cure human suffering and you will experience unparalleled bliss which is um some wild shit to claim but yeah and i mean i think you just highlighted the biggest issue I had with the study was like, yeah, the science kind of mattered, but really it seemed like the biggest motivating thing behind all of it was these individual scientists own like needs, desires, fantasies, right? Like she, it seems like it's really, really important for um, Azumi to feel like she's a part of something that's fixing people at any cost um, Morimoto's involved because he has unlimited access to A and C pills that he's like free basing. And then the other guy wants to kill his mom, basically. So, like, you know, th- it's all these other things other than like truly just altruistically yeah. wanting to help someone. Yeah. Honestly, her motivation is the most altruistic of it. Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree with you. It should be. Uh, it should. Well, from that list, be. wanting to like. Wanting to destroy my mom's work or wanting to freebase drugs, wanting to be a part of something that helps people is more altruistic than those other two. Agreed? I mean, I think it's more complicated. The two dudes are like, are schmucks. Like, yeah. Well, I actually don't know about Morimoto. Morimoto is a person who's probably addicted to drugs and also in love. So he's probably not a schmuck. He's just in a weird place. (laughs) But definitely, Mandalorian Jr. is a schmuck. Yeah. Um... I have super beef with how dir- I feel like they do uh, Dr. Fujita super dirty in this narrative. And I do not. I am not here for and it. And I want at you all. to talk about it. I want you to dive right into that. All right. I am going to dive right on in. Thank you. Unless you're like, but later, in which case no, I can do No, 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 no. <laughs> this is the time. This is, this is really like what we're going to be focusing on the doctors. After this, like, I'm really more interested in Annie and Owen. So let's, let's take it on. I feel like this story. Um, I have like I have just like so many feelings about this. So first of all, I want to say <laughs> this is a story created by a Japanese Swedish American. Mm-hmm. So Carrie uh, Fukunaga is Japanese Swedish American, and he is very proud of the fact that he brought um, Japanese actors to the story. 
Um, so uh, Sonona uh, Mizuno is the woman who plays uh, Dr. Fujita, and she is Japanese, and she was born in Japan. She's bur- a British accent, hence her beautiful accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, it's it's kind of everything I read about it was like, this is so inclusive. This is so great. And I'm like, well, OK, but like the main thing you give her to do is she's initially I like her because she's like you get since she's like going to be this really strong character and like, well, maybe she doesn't really have such a backstory, but she's like this chain smoking neurotic scientist. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, that's that's all right. Like, it's not it's not groundbreaking, yeah. but it's OK. And then like halfway through, suddenly she's like yelling at Sally Field, Mantle Ray Sr. and being like, you're jealous of me because I can create a mind. You're jealous of him because he's going to fix the world's problems. And you're jealous of me also because I I have him and she like kisses Mantle Ray Jr. And I'm like, oh man, really? So <laughs> you have you have this talented, smart woman who I feel like they sort of lampshade throughout that she created Gertie. Like she's like by far like the creator, but she's not in the first video. It's no, Morimoto not, and, and yeah. any of it. And and we even have like this gross scene where Mantle Ray Jr. is like, when I discovered Fujita. And you're like, ew. And he always calls her by her first name, which I I'm like, that's not cool, dude. You're like in a professional environment. Yep. That's messed up. You're like, I discovered her as if she's like a mountain or like a beautiful river, like a, a landmass that he like found. And then he gets to take credit for her work. It's, it's messed up. And then we're going to like her story arc is basically like, well, she's a shut in. So it's really exciting that she's actually going to have like a sexual relationship with this dude. I'm like, nah, man. No. Also, it's yeah. lazy. Also, this dude not with that sucks. dude. Sucks. Like, yeah, I would just mind it. Does an amazing job of being a dude who sucks so hard. Like he disappears into this role for sure. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like watching an Asian woman have a romantic plotline with a sexually deviant older white man just makes my skin crawl. Like that's not. I think that's okay. One hundred percent fair. I think that's <laughs> that is not okay. Some real valid critique. That's not okay. And I, and the fact that that's like her happy ending really makes me feel sick. Like, I think we're supposed to feel good about it. Or it's supposed to be funny. I can't really tell. But we're not supposed to be mad about it, I don't think. And I am mad about it. Um, so Fair. there's yeah. that. I also <laughs> feel... tone of voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it is a bummer. Like, she's this strong, like, intelligent woman who basically is like, yay, she gets to go home with this, like, literal adult man baby. Like, congrats. Yeah. He's a failure. I also Good. feel like they go into overtime forgiving the Mantle Rays and specifically Mantle Ray Jr. Mm-hmm. because of her. And she bears a lot of the brunt. So she's the one who created Gertie and she's the one who messed up Gertie by giving her feelings, which I could talk about all day. That's a wild feminist thing right there. Oh, my God. It's um, amazing. It's incredible. It's, <laughs> like, it's so cool. And like it did save so many yeah. lives in their study. Like, of course, there'd be a woman who would like give something empathy. And of course, right? that would work. And then it's a dude who, like, gets inappropriately involved, and then she has to experience, like, grief and trauma because, like, a doctor was, like, inserting himself into her programming and, like, fucking her, you know? Like, I'm, like, I'm sorry to be crass, but, like, I don't think that yeah. she caused the problem at all. I think it was some dudes who came around and messed up her shit, but you're right. Like, she's the one yeah, who has to own not, it. We're not I really told disagree. that, though. Like, man... Yeah, Mantle Ray is like, you gave her feelings, ay ay ay. Like, that's how we find out about it. So I feel like she's supposed to take the blame for that. Yeah. She takes the fall. Yeah. 
I mean, I, yeah. I don't disagree, like, the feminist point that, yeah, it's, like, giving this woman feelings was the problem. But I'd like to take a step further back and say it's giving the machine access to brains and being like, you know, <laughs> do yeah. what you want to do, kid. Right? Take a whack at it. I think that's the real issue I have. So Yeah. No. Like, Megan is also which scared is- of technology, but I will agree. This, this show does seem to posit that that was a mistake. So, you know. Or, yeah, I don't know. And I just feel like the whole, like, I think it's like episode maybe seven, well, eight and nine, right? Where, like, Gertie's melting down. Yeah. And they have to, and they have to kill her. I just had beef with it. So, first of all, like, I feel like they make, uh, they make Fujita the, like, the ultimate villainous decider in that moment. Mm Because she's like, you can't kill Gertie. She's going to save millions of lives. And, like, who cares about these people who are in this room? Who cares? Yeah, she goes from being the person who at the beginning is, like, you know, like, it's it's messed up that anyone has died to being, like, they put her in the position of being, like, why would you do this? Don't, like, don't sacrifice our work for six McMurphys. Like, that, that sucks. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, like... In moral relativity, she's not so wrong. Yeah. Like I, I love big animal movies, and it's and it's always it's always the moment where like it so deeply sees an excellent example of this, mm-hmm. where you have this shark that has like brain enzymes that'll cure Alzheimer's, and they're like, no, we have to blow the shark up because it might eat three people, and you're like, I don't wait. I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alzheimer's is real tough, guys. Like three people? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would agree that Alzheimer's to... is real tough, and if we could cure it um, with only yes. three deaths because of how many people, you know, whatever. The bottom right. line is, it's a trolley principle. I'm not actually in a position where right. I have to make that call, so no, I will not go no, on record no. as making well, this decision. Well, you just want to be like, are you sure you have to blow it up? Yeah. Like, can we just trap it? Like, can we try? Let's yeah, not. Can we somehow and that preserve always... the brain of it? Like, does it have to yes, pretty show? LL Cool J tried. Okay. <laughs> like... LL Cool J definitely tells you his recipe for the perfect omelet at the end. That's great. Um, also, team, definitely... we're going to be doing some big animal movies this summer. Super excited. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. It's very exciting. We're going to talk about man and its desire to control nature and it's going to be great but um, you know nature life finds a way anyway sorry go ahead. life finds a way <laughs> so she's put in that position where i think everyone's like i was like she's going crazy and like even manta ray senior is like oh now you're the mother of this thing like it's like a weird it's a weird it's a weird look i'm like i mean like can we at least have a little bit of sympathy for her in this yeah in this moment and I don't think that the I don't think that the narrative gives us gives her an inch there. She's supposed to be wrong, and we are supposed to know that she's wrong, and we're supposed to be glad that Mantle Ray makes the decision that he does. And I'm like, but eh, but she also does villain. guide him through it, like without she her does. like compliance. It would no, not have of course. Happened. But yeah, I of agree. course, I agree. But it's his I, decision. I also want to yeah. point out though, like they didn't know what was going to happen when they pulled the plug. Like, as far as I could tell, like, all those people still could have died. Yeah, that was my real question while they were doing that was, like, does it matter that there are people still on the computer? (laughs) Right, like, are they just stuck there now? Or, like, what what happens to them? Like, I kind of feel like that's, like, a fault of of the storytelling. I'm pretty Sure. sure we're supposed to know that they will kill her and then that the people will be okay. Because, like, he seems to feel pretty confident about that. But then again, he didn't think that anything could go wrong. So, I mean, who knows? He feels pretty confident about a lot of things. A lot of things. Therapy, so, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh um, my god, and that terrible reoccurring talk about callbacks. We, the first time we meet him is he's like in this terrible VR simulation, like like in the lust of Atlantis with his lover, and then he uses the term mind Atlantis later, and then like the fancy he tells Asumi about later, he's like, and we are searching for Atlantis, and it's like, dude, move on. You're yeah, watching well, but Kate, too much porn. Yeah, but Kate. How else would a white man want an Asian woman if it's not for fetishized reasons? I Come mean, on. yeah, no, for sure. Pro- problematic. It's bad. Uh, it's bad. Megan, it's you want bad. to talk about Mantle Ray Sr. and um, the edible complex you were talking about earlier? Oh, my God. I, I love, love that so much. So, um, <laughs> like, never heard last, someone like, say I love it about that before. But, uh, well, like, the last hmm. three or four episodes of this were just hysterical to me. Like, every time senior and junior are interacting, it was just, Oh, my just, God, that like, first kiss is so gross. Oh, when she comes in, she like does a like full lip kiss on the mouth of her son, but like in a way that is like falls There's into also him. A kind of couple cool. like weird smooches, and then he has lipstick on him when he pulls away. Like it's like real gross, but yeah. like you could tell from then, like shit's not right here. Like we already mm-hmm. knew probably yeah. it wasn't great. Like from the first call he makes when uh, Azumi like is like you have to call your mom. And he calls her, and they shoot him, like, from above, so it looks like you're looking down on him, and she answers the phone, and even though she looks like she's on a chemo drip, you're, like, looking up at her, and she looks so strong and powerful, like, there's clear, like, power problems there. Um, But, yeah, so, like, then she goes into the machine onto his computer mom, I guess. Um... (laughs) And I do appreciate Sally Fields. I thought she did an awesome performance, both oh my as gosh, Gertie really and did. Greta. She I think it. she had a lot of fun with it. Like she's like eating the scenery. And oh it's my perfect. god, it's perfect that when she's definitely. like, when she's like, when Gertie's like, and I just oscillate between emotions. Like one minute I just want to save the world, the next moment I want to do as much damage as I can, and then it shows Greta, and she's like. Now that's a little much, don't you think? It's just like this amazing <laughs> juxtaposition. It's perfect. So great. Yeah, but like the before she even goes into the computer mom when she's like, wait, let me get this straight. So you and I haven't talked, but you made a computer who is a computer version of me <laughs> to get rid of therapy. And now you want your therapist mother to go fix her? Like, loved it. <laughs> so great. Um, but then, like, it gets gets so, like, I don't know, psychoanalytic, Oedipal, whatever, like, when she hugs him and he goes blind, and he's like, <laughs> it's your toxic love that turned me blind, and he's just, like, flailing around while she's trying to, like, press her body against him. I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Which when you said it and, was the first time I realized that, yeah, like uh, Oedipus like gouges out his eyes and like you know this guy just makes it hit like through a placebic, well, not placebic. What is it? Um, uh, psychosomatic disorder so, yeah. makes himself blind. Yeah, and she says <laughs> he like, believe it's psychosomatic, psychosomatic disorders, and he's like, I don't believe. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe yeah. in it. Like it's so great. That's really. Fu- I thought that was really funny yeah. too. I. And clearly he's not fixed at the end either because he tells uh, Vegeta that she's the one who made him go blind. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. you're like, you're, you're like, uh, I, was, I was blinded by your love or something. Uh, like, what a, what, a, what a dick. Anyway. I didn't, I don't really necessarily mind um, the fact that the Mantle Rays don't figure out 
their relationship at the end. No, I'm not. Um, right I think it. that that's. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. But I do. I did feel a little bit like Gertie says a lot of stuff in this that makes me that breaks my heart into a million pieces. Like where yeah. she's like, "Don't punish me because I'm sad." I'm like, "Oh no!" Yeah. Because she is. Because she isn't like an intelligent being. It made me think a lot about um, Ex Machina. Actually, yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. And not just because we have a a crossover actress, but like the ethics of it. And I think that this show kind of gets away with it a little bit easier. Yeah. Like, I don't think because she's like a big computer, like she looks like a big old 80s computer. She's actually a big computer that like occasionally see her face because she's only lighting up some of her buttons. It's not the same thing as like when we see like a person, like it it does feel very different. Yeah. And also, also she, unlike, uh, Eva, right? That was her name? What is her uh, name? Eve, yeah, yeah, unlike, Eva. Unlike yeah. Eve, she is um, actively trying to kill people, so, uh, you know. I mean, I mean, Eve super sabs that dude. I, like, mean, I mean, but that's only after he's already gonna, like, yeah. destroy her life. Well, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think it's different. I don't know. I, it is different. I don't yeah. think the narrative wants us to be sad that Gertie dies. But I am kind of sad about it. I mean, like, yeah, maybe but you know what I mean? Feel, I don't know. I don't think I think we're supposed to be glad that it happens. Maybe we feel a little bit like we're like, oh, no. But like, it's 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 not a, an emotional peak. And I felt like that was really weird because I feel like the story is sort of dancing around some questions of like ethics of creation, both biological and innovation and innovative, yeah. innovative. Yeah. Um, and but ultimately, I think it kind of lands in like this like mushy pile where it's like you know you just gotta do the right thing you gotta be like a good mom and if your robot's trying to kill people you gotta kill it and you're like okay <laughs> like and this <laughs> seems kind of like it seems kind of banal i'm like could, do we have something interest more interesting to say here and i think if we had more pity for gertie as a as a being yeah that could have been introduced and it just it just wasn't yeah i mean i think part of the reason we don't feel the same way about gertie as we do about like Eve or other characters, like other AI, is because like we fall into the same trap that Mantle Reed Jr. falls into, where we start to conflate Greta and Gertie, probably. Like they're oh, pretty yeah, no, similar. You're right. It's the same mindset. And so it it's sad, but it also feels sometimes like the things she says and does are really manipulative and like I don't know, it kind also, of echoes Gertie's what gonna you think still she live. would be like. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I think for me it's more that Gertie's still alive, so um Greta, no, Greta's still alive, so Gertie, like... Um, Dying is not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we ever wanted to get into this deeper, I guess we could watch the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Island, and decide Ooh. for ourselves. Maybe about, we will. But yeah, we, uh, should, we should probably... the ethics of clones. Are clones people or no? Um, but yeah, I, so I, I kind of had you for that. I also kind of wonder if they made Gertie based on a, me, a mean mommy so that we wouldn't really care as much when she did have to die. Like, we, she's well, a mean older woman. And I was like, ooh, that doesn't feel great. No, for sure. The fact that, like, she's a gendered female, like, and, and we do yeah. do away with her does kind of suck. But there is that moment um, that Owen and Megan asked me, like, you know, do you think this is real? But uh, right after they come out of the B-pill, and we're about to, like, dive back into Annie and Owen, Annie and Owen, Annie and Owen. Um, but he's he packs up his stuff and is getting ready to go and gertie calls to him and he goes over the computer and she's like why are you leaving but what about your friends the odds 
if you leave, I'm going to kill them. He's like, what? She's like, if you leave, I'm going to cure them all. And you'll be the only one not cured. And like, you know, it's it's like a wild moment. And then she also says she's going to like keep Annie. And that's why like he stays. Um, But, you know, I just there there is a sinisterness about her that even though like she's going through trauma it's that's a wild reaction to have you know yeah, they, they they go into overtime making her a monster yeah i mean like having like having a a cadre of brain dead um zombies that follow her around yeah. like there's there's her a lot entourage. there's a lot there yeah which is kind of, which is funny given like pop psychology is like her basis so you have like this like she's basically like lady dr phil yeah you know? Um, yeah, but totally. but so it's like sort of super f- malicious. Yeah, like it's it, yeah. and it works. It is funny. It is good. It's but, funny, but from a feminist perspective, I just want to be like, mm, that seems weird. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel I don't feel great about it being yeah, like no. an older lady who's getting the axe is like taking the fall for this or the I don't feel great about an older lady and or the only woman of color that has a speaking role mm-hmm. being the ones that take the fall. Agreed. Doesn't feel great. Agreed. I don't. Fair. I don't think we can host this podcast and not talk about it. You know that would yeah. be. We'd be. Uh, we'd be not doing our jobs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's. Uh, let's. Let's take a little turn. Let's talk about uh, Annie and Owen's growth after the B pill and after the study. Uh, we'll get into their final arc um, a little bit later. But so this is more about like, you know, right bef- before the 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 very end. All right, so. Um, when being assessed after the B pill, Annie and Owen achieve the highest scores, um, of anyone like their Annie is gaslit by Dr. Mansell Ray Jr. Um, when she's told that she has to achieve a 9.2 or, you know, she won't be able to continue in the study and no one will. Um, when in reality, she and Owen are the only people to achieve a 9.2, um, but let's let's talk about uh, what what their breakthroughs were. Um, so Annie's big breakthrough is where she realizes that her um, problem is she's always making she was always making bad deals with her mom um, and who would get her in kind of a place where she would trust her. And then she would, quote unquote, gut gut you uh, that that was her mom's that was her mom's deal. And she said that she didn't want to make a deal. So she, and she said, but like, I'm not becoming my mother. And I never was my mother, really, because the deal I made with my sister is we have this pact. I took care of her when we were younger and she would take care of me when we're older. Um, and that's which when is like her a, score just jumps up from like a four yeah. something to a 9.2. Reach maximum openness or or whatever her breakthrough so what do you all yeah what do you all think about that breakthrough and how does how how does that carry forward i mean yeah i don't know i mean it it doesn't seem like i'm not sure how to make a how to take that as a breakthrough because it doesn't seem like it's something she didn't know it's just something she never shared i guess if that makes sense like both of their breakthroughs seem to be things that they have always known about themselves not things that they're like, oh shit, oh I never thought of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think I think for some reason it's more about like them being honest and willing to like speak, uh, speak truth to power. Um, being able to like communicate that outwardly means that it's not just something they're kicking around in their head; they make it real. Um, yeah, but I I kind of charted it. I kind of charted it out a little bit. So I think that Annie's all of Annie's experience are about 
within the 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 ABC pill mm-hmm. um, sequence are ultimately about her making and carrying out deals. So I think it's more about her learning how mm-hmm. to like stop making bad deals with herself potentially. So like I think that's like the br- the breakthrough is that like everything's a bad deal and that's the emotional peak of of like episode 9 too, right? Yeah. Is so but going back so like Wendy Nan and Paula is a lot about like the like the deals uh is about carrying out promises that you make to people and ultimately has this sort of like loyalty disloyalty of motherhood and family and like how that plays out when you carry out promises so i think that that's a lot about her like driving her sister across country she made this promise to her and she did not deliver or it wasn't right you know it ended badly and then um uh how do you say her name in the um in the scene with the, the seance one arlie yeah arlie yeah yeah and then Arlie and Ollie's like 40s magic heist story is about like double crosses and betrayals, making deals, but then flipping it at the last minute and like not going through with it, mm-hmm. um, which is also part of what she does. Right. Like she says, I would never there are lines that I just never will cross. I would never blackmail someone with their own child. That's messed up. And then she double crosses herself and like goes there because she's addicted to drugs, you know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. a thing. And then her uh, Ania and Elia story is about failing obligations. Obligations. She promises that she's going to deliver this person and she doesn't. And she like becomes selfish at the last minute and pulls out. And then, of course, the final showdown, she explicitly is like, I am in a bad deal and I want to be let out of it. <laughs> like, let me out now. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that showdown think, with Gertie is like so powerful. They're in the elevator awesome. and like everything, like their their bodies are actually dying. Like they're frying alive. And she's like, and Gertie's like, you promised to stay with me. And he says, you know, I made a bad deal and you took advantage of that. I'm always making bad deals and I need to stop. I can't stay here forever. I want to think about it. My sister. It's really powerful. But you're right. It's it's it's, it's that pattern. It's not about it's it's her recognizing her own pattern of making bad deals. And and that the one good deal that she had, like the part of what she's haunted about was that she and her sister um, had a pact to take care of one another like that that's so much what that loss is is that she had someone to look out for her that was the one good deal she ever made and then her sister's gone and she feels like it's her fault yeah i think also that deal has like a little bit of um annie's self-loathing in it as well or like her her feeling that she can't move forward yeah her sister is supposed to be the deal was that she was supposed to take care of when her younger she did that but yeah. now her sister's gone so she doesn't have anyone to take care of her when she's older. Yeah. And it's such a it's such a cute deal. As a younger sibling, I relate to this deal. I feel like this is like the deal that older siblings make with younger siblings yeah. all the time. And it's sort of like and and being younger siblings not like all all rainbows and wonderfulness. Like it has its own stuff. But I would choose it nine times out of ten because you always have an older sibling to take care of you. And that's yeah. like it's great. It so make it Yeah. Up. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's kind of funny that they have um, that she she now wants that when it's sort of too late. You're older now. You don't need anyone to take care of you. You're supposed to move forward in your life, you know. But yeah. she has this that holds her back. Her sister's supposed to be here to take care of her, and she's not. Yeah. Man, Owen's Owen's breakthrough is kind of heartbreaking. Megan, you want Oof. you want to talk about that part real quick? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was just, just awful, what it was. But yeah. His basic breakthrough comes when he's asked what's wrong with him. And he says, 
he's like, have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? You know, it's if It's a Wonderful Life happened to me, there'd be no difference in the world. It's not that I'm sick. It's that I don't matter. Um, and I think we see that like with him over and over again, like when he's talking to his family and everyone's like, oh, you love Balderdash. Of course you want to stay. And he's like, no, I hate this oh game. Oh, my God. That's And awful. no one hears him. I hate this game. And then when he yells it, they're all like stop did you stop your meds like what's your deal um it's not to say your uncle's a spaz and it's like after like they've been cursing constantly but him being like boulder dash is bullshit i fucking hate that game or whatever he says like everyone's like whoa can't believe you cursed in front of the kids it's like are you like he had he literally asked his siblings to stop doing that earlier you know right yeah, and there's that, and then it's also, like, less explicit, but, you know, his trauma, we never see it, actually. We hear it being talked about, but it's also, like, a soundtrack while we're watching Annie, like, go through drawers and, like, move the files and do this other stuff. And so, it's, like, so much of his story really is kind of background, and if it wasn't there, like, would you notice some of it? Like, maybe not, Um so that's I a yeah. really interesting uh, filmic observation that I had not like I had noticed, but I had not connected with his um, with his statement. You're right. Um, we never get to experience that. And so much of, as you've already said, the B pill feels a lot like Annie's story. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I feel like his story, all his fantasies also are about figuring out his place so he's the pattern guy he's the puzzle guy right yeah and he's he he believes in patterns and logic and things like that that's like how he lives his life although it's like in a alternate reality of of that um but so i feel like all his stories are about finding his place progressively with more agency and then it never turning out well so first uh, first time he has no agency he's dragged along entirely by linda with wendy the lemur caper mm-hmm. Like entirely, and he takes the fall. He goes to prison, and so that's bad. <laughs> he doesn't like that. No. So then, so then the next story, he has a progressive, a little bit more agency, right? He's like a partner um, to Arlie, but then ultimately gets double crossed, and and that doesn't work out right. Yeah, either. he still outsmarts her. So like you know, he still has like some yeah. power there. But like the bottom line is like he didn't. That's not what he wanted to happen. No, um, the connection is still like broken yeah. and bad in that one. And then when he's simply Owen, which I was like, what the heck? You shouldn't have done that. Everyone should have always had different names. But whatever. When he's Owen <laughs> for that like lock, stock and two smoking barrels uh, storyline that he has where he's like the mob yeah. and the mob. Yeah. And, his, um, and his dad like has a superpower of always knowing what's up. And he actually like, believes that he buys that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, he decides... So he has the most agency, right? He's like, what my family's doing is wrong. I'm going to wear a wire. I'm going to help the FBI capture this guy. And then... Or capture my family and, like, and then have a new life. But then he ends up miserable in witness protection. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make him happy. So... And then uh, Snorri's story, he's, like, literally a sleeper agent who has a lot of agency, but, like, just messes everything up and is just such a fool the whole time through. Yeah, and so I feel until like he's woken up out of the C-Pill experience. Well, I mean, like, he's still in it, but, like, he, right. he regains his Owenness, you know? And- right. Right. If he's like he's real life Owen as opposed to a fantasy sequence. So I feel like it's all it's just like his stories are all about like him realizing that whether or not he has agency or not, 
he is a he is a person that people will use as a pawn. Yeah. Um, and if he is given, if his agency does work out, he doesn't choose correctly. His life still doesn't end up right. He's still in exile, which is what happens to him at the end, right? Or his 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 chosen end is that. He decides he's going to have agency and then exiles himself. Well, so, so that's what he sees as his two options. You do keep on saying he exiles himself, but like it, from my understanding was that uh, his family hadn't committed after Jed uh, like faked that uh, Owen had another breakdown and like fulfilled yeah. his earlier promise. Oh, that he said like that, yeah. he said those he sent letters, letters sent me. No, he did. Yeah, the letters he of the did anthrax threatening these people and then his family. Had him committed Ooh, I thought, and just did away with him. Yeah, they shut him up. But I felt like it was like a private facility. So she's like, you can leave. It's fine. Like, that's what his therapist is like talking about. She's like, you can reach out to people. Like, you're not trapped no, that's, here at that's all. That's interesting. Oh. Yeah, like, so they do commit th- him. But like... I thought but she wasn't saying you can leave. She was saying you can reach out to people because you can write letters or call. Like I don't. I suppose I, I don't. To me, he was in a self exile from Annie. He wasn't going to reach out yeah. to her. He was afraid. Yeah, fair. So I guess so that's he was committed. More what I so mean. he stuck there. But yeah. yeah, he was still choosing yeah. to like exile himself in terms of like he was still too scared to um to yeah. take that that step and connect after he'd gone through this whole experience where he found that what he really wanted was connection. Um, which is yeah tragic. I I kind of loved when um when he ends up in witness protection program and ends up in this terrible life where he's in that tiny ass apartment he already owns with like His seven children, all named after different um the seven continents. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and has like you know has married Olivia, this one who thought he wanted, and um and then it's like this isn't even what I'm supposed to be doing. I made a deal with Annie. We're supposed to be taking care of each other. Like, what am I even doing here? The whole point is to be connecting with this person who, like, we agreed we'd take care of each other. Which is interesting because that is a deal that they make right before they go in. Like, she's like, it's it's really funny because there's this point in which Owen, when he's telling his story to Annie, he's like, do you ever feel like everyone else is crazy and you're not? And she says, all the time. And, like, he relates that to his experience with Olivia um and shouting at her and stuff and then later after he's heard uh gertie say that she's going to keep annie and he's like i don't think this is a good idea i don't think we should go back in i think we should quit and she's like i don't know like i'm feeling better now you know and and it's almost like everyone else is crazy but i'm not like i know that this is dangerous but no one's listening to me and that moment like he is like the person with all the keys and she's like don't worry about it like you and i we'll probably be together so we can take care of one another. Um, and so, like, that is... He does... Like, they become each other's proxy. They become, like, early on. Like, even before it's been, like, explicitly said, like, they've agreed to look after each other. Even though Andy doesn't do a great job of following through in the uh, fantasies. But, you know, whatever. She's on her own journey. I respect it. Well, and they immediately split them up. Yeah. Like, they're not they're not together. So I, I kind of understand that, too. Although, I felt like that was sort of weird. So, I feel like this portion, this this makes, I feel like this is, like, an episode or two a little bit too long. Yeah, no, this is this is where the drag happens a bit. Yeah. Like, they're, they put three pounds of sausage in a five-pound bag. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's just too much room. And 
so I kind of didn't like that we had like the fantasy. I th- like I felt like they should have just chosen them to start on two different trajectories, like two different stories that could intermingle in the end in a way that would be funny yeah. or interesting. Um, like it would have been funny if like mobster Owen was now in like Riverdale. <laughs> like That would have yeah. been funny in the fantasy sequence. So I kind of like the first time I watched through, I was like, it's really weird that we're like bouncing around so much. Like, I don't I don't I don't love that. Yeah, no, they, um, they made they made the fantasy part, the elfish part too long to get to like yeah. the climax in order to have like yeah. Owen them be there as a hawk. Because I felt like his storyline was fine. Like, I thought that that was finely paced um i loved his dad like saying to him at one point like have you ever considered that you're actually trapped inside of a psychotic simulation and like <laughs> yeah his dad like reveals what's happening yes it's amazing yeah, yeah. but um i i agree megan you're not i've, I've realized we're i mean talking I, a lot. I think it's yeah i think i went a little long but i still like the way that they did it because it felt like you know like a dream you know like you have a dream that flows into a dream and you're just like i don't know how we got to here like these are not related um and that's kind of how it felt to me like watching it um, yeah. Well, and so I, I like that part. I also do love the moment where he's like, "Andy, I'm a hawk," and like she can't hear him. Like he's just a hawk to her. But like I, 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 I thought that part was really sweet. Like when he's like trying to convince her not to go, but like obviously she has yeah. no idea. Um, I guess. I guess my more of my issue is I'm like, then why do we need? Why do we need to like totally switch it up and start again in like a Doctor Strange love storyline? Yeah. It's. I don't care for that. Like, I don't. That, that's like probably my least favorite like piece of acting that's in that in the snort in this stuff. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I and I everything about it I should love. I love Doctor Strange. Love. I love Mad Men. I love farce. Like, I like all that stuff. It just feels real bad in that moment. You know, I, don't I know. ended up liking that a little bit more. Like, I liked it on more second view. On, yeah, on on later rewatches. Than I liked it originally. Originally, I had it. I found it to be pretty painful, but um, I also loved him being like, oh, "You're so good at that gun. I must come to this Texas place you speak up, you know." But um, I also liked her culottes. Yeah, but Megan pointed out uh, that his fantasies once he like once they separate out are hella violent compared to yeah. Uh, Megan, you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I mean, so I kind of felt like this was an indicator that Annie's line kind of was most of what was driving, like, the B-pill. Because, like, when they're separate, his are, like, so graphically violent, especially compared to hers. And then when they come back together, I mean, it's violent. Not quite as much as a drill to the head or a gunshot wound, like... (laughs) Hemisecting yeah. a human, but you know, like hemisecting. Yeah, it's just, it's just so it's a such a different feel than anything else that comes before it. I felt like so. Like, do you think yeah. that's like a reflection of his darkness? I have no or yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's a reflection of. I don't know if that's like just something that we're supposed to understand inherently about him and where the kind of environment he grew up in, right? Like. I mean, the his fact that brother everything felt decapitated so dark. a hawk in, like, it oh, seems like God. a funny dinner story to tell. Like, none of that bodes well, I don't think. Yeah, um, no, for no. sure. It's sinister. Yeah, It is. I, I also kind of wonder if maybe, like, I mean, you can't have that stuff in Annie's story because the central violence of Annie's story is Ellie's death. Well, and Ellie's like, death, and- death and their mother 
the cruelty that their mother was able to um, project, like that terrible story in the middle of um, in the middle of their elfish fantasy about uh, the two of them like creating a dam with like the the dogs up the road and um, being covered in mud and clay and having this great experience together, and their mother who was having a day saying like calling them roaches and telling them to not step foot in the house and and then Annie runs away and Ellie um, says that their mother then said what did I do to deserve a daughter like you like so normal and that's like it's just so painful like that yeah. that violence and is not it's not bloody but it's sinister in, in another way it's sinister in the way like when we talked about the Duke, like this idea that like the people you're supposed to like be able to depend on and the same thing for annie and owen but like with owen like it's not i don't think that he ever thought he should be able to depend upon his family like he learned his family weren't gonna be there for him their mom sometimes was and that made it even harder yeah i think owen's family is much more overt about you know how things stand and that you can't trust them than her family was it was like yeah he these they weren't like deals that snuck up on you but with him it's like you're not you're not even the the painting yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah i wonder i wonder if that's also just because like owen feels so annie feels it kind of fears that right like she definitely blames herself for her sister's death and she sees she sees some of her mother's darkness in herself and and she she loathes that about herself um so I think that maybe it's partly that her stories aren't going to be violent to highlight the like emotional violence and the and then and then have like the centerpiece of that car wreck be like the most kind of action packed scary thing that happens. But yeah. also she is the aggressor in her story and Owen yeah. is not. Owen sees yeah. the world as like as like being very very aggressive towards him all the time. So of course like his fantasy version of that is just like people just dying left and right all around him and like blood splattering on his face. And like, he's always, he's always around it. So I think that does make sense. No, you're right. Um, Like in hers, like she, she's, she's her own monster. Like, yeah, she doesn't need someone else to be the monster. She's the one creating the carnage. Yeah. So as we've highlighted already at the end of the CPL, Annie talks to, the GRTA about their deal, saying it's a bad deal, and she's sick of making them. And then she talks to her sister and has her final goodbye. Do you all think she's healed as the program promises? Uh, and how do we see this or not? Um. So, I mean, I, I think that the story is smart enough not to be like, they're healed, they're not healed. Yeah. Like, it's not a they're binary perfect. thing. Yeah. And I think the whole joke, right? Like the whole joke of it is like everybody's broken. It's just like how much you acknowledge your own brokenness that maybe makes allows you to live like a, a happy life, choose happiness or, or or have have agency and be able to live a fully functional life versus yeah. not. Um, but I, I do kind of feel like we're supposed to think Annie is healed. Like she's in a much, much better place than she was when she entered. Yeah. And she's able to go out and like make good deals with people. Like that scene where she's talking to her dad, yeah. I think is about her making a good, being like, no, we're going to make a good deal between us right now. As opposed yeah. to the bad deal of me like leaving you in your isolation tank with a box of Apple Jacks. And, you know, that's yeah, a bad deal for money her. And it just being over, even though, like, that's that's yeah. not what I want. Well, right. 
and it, it and it is like fascinating because you're right like she even says to the GRTA like the, that that's a lie because Gertie's like you know when will I stop feeling this way and she's like you won't never you won't ever yeah. and that's okay you just have to learn to deal with it and she's like I've seen inside the minds of like hundreds of people how do I deal with that and she's like no one knows you just have to <laughs> do it and like you know that that's powerful but yeah so she I do think she's definitely more healed like she's able to ask for what she needs like she she's able to um her dad i i love how many times they use the word friend in the final episode because uh it we could very easily revert to a love story but by by that repetition i think it's very clear that this is about friendship and her dad's like oh you mean he was trying to be a good friend when he just kept on coming back even though you gave him reasons not to trust you like that's that's good and like you know, it. I think it's powerful that she's able to even be that. Although, Megan, I know that you want to talk about before. You want to talk about that last friend proxy scene? I do so much. <laughs> um. When I told you, you couldn't talk about it because I'm yeah. a monster. <laughs> yeah, like a fascist. Um, uh-huh. So the thing I think about that, I'm I'm not sure what it means still that she has to use this friend proxy at the end for Owen as an Owen stand-in, right? Like. Um, it seems a little confusing to me that it seems like she's made all this growth and she's come so far and yet she also is unable to reach out to him or try to find him, um, which I'm assuming she would be able to do. She was able to find the random name of some lady at intake and where her kid went to school, you know? Sure, 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 sure. She definitely could have found him. She just, uh, she takes the easy way out, you know? She might be healed, but but she's still willing to not put herself out there that much yeah but also at the same time it seems like this friend proxy was gonna come to salt lake with her like he had a suitcase (laughs) i was like ready to roll um but what i was gonna talk about before what we talked about was how you know this whole interaction with the friend proxy really just reiterates like this is not a romantic relationship this friend proxy keeps trying to be like yes our two hearts beating as one shouldn't be separated and tries to propose and she's just like no you you don't get it like you're doing owen wrong like stop it um (laughs) which i thought was like really great because yeah they aren't in love with each other they just love each other and there's something beautiful about it just 100 yeah and i i kind of think maybe it's she's so focused on her family we don't see her really having relationships with anyone she is not related to except ellen for the whole thing so i so i kind of feel like when uh her dad hank played by hank azaria which like filled me with glee when he finally pokes his head out I was like, I was like, yes! Me too. Love that scene. When he defines her relationship yeah. with Owen, it's it's so important. I think that's why, like, the word friend, friend sticks out so much. Is, like, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what they are. Durr. Like, you're like, that's what we've been watching happen throughout this. Because for so long, they've kind of... We've seen them in fantasy relationships where they're not friends. Like, first, it's sort of like this, like, decelerating 
intimacy. First, they're a married couple, but it's not really working out. Then they're ex-lovers and it's not really working out. (laughs) Then, you know, like it kind of goes through this. And then they're like both sleeper agents, but it's not really working out. Like it's not. And then you're like, oh, that's right, because they're not supposed to be in any of these kind of relationships. They're supposed to be friends. And so I think she might never have really had a friend. So she's like, well, let me practice on a friend. Let's be practice on a proxy. Let me like see, see what this would be be like and, <laughs> yeah and so i yeah. don't think it's yeah she knows he's that not a so it's fine like it doesn't work right like she just like it's like uh it's, it's not like when you decide you want to have yeah. an important like conversation with someone and you write down your like central points before you go in um like i think that's what she's doing except she needs like another person to react to her because she's never really like formed a chosen like a chosen fr- like friend she's never cho- added someone to her family by choice you know yeah yeah. And that, and like, I definitely think that's more of a subconscious thing. Like, I don't think she's actively thinking, like, let me try this out on someone. But that is, like, in essence, what exactly happens. Like, this is, this is a rehearsal for her to then actually take action. Well, um, before, before we dive even further into, um, Arcoda, let's talk about at the end of the sea pill when Owen saves Annie slash wakes her up. Uh, and then he uses the puzzles placed in front of him to find the pattern to unlock Gertie from the inside. Um, how much of that, like, I'm really interested in, like, what about that is actually, like, him doing something? Is he healed? Um, like, is he, like, was, was his life leading up to this moment of patterns? Or is this a way that, like, the program... Lay so your my, cards on the table. <laughs> Let me just, before I just sail off hypotheticals. Yes. yes. What I am posing as a possibility is that um, this this pattern coming out in front of him and him unlocking it, like maybe there was a failsafe inside the system as there are in most computers as a way to like um, override or whatever. But uh, because the system is also meant to like help convert his brain, he's provided with an outlet for like a way to let go of this delusion, a way to let go of this, the pattern is the pattern, a way to like be like, Yes, this moment has happened. I have saved the universe, so I can now like leave this behind. Um, I think that is why it's phrased like that. Like, obviously, I don't think his whole life was leading up to that moment. I think that um, the system was providing him with an outlet to say goodbye to that and to say goodbye to Grimson, um, and that allows like some healing. Like, we don't have any indication that he is experiencing delusions after that, even like when. He feels a little bit panicky on the stand. So I feel like there is a lot of growth for him. What do you all think? I agree. I feel like the lesson. So Annie comes out of this in like a kind of a much happier place. She's ready to make good deals. Right. She wants to make a deal. Um, but sure. His is really yeah. about like figure because he's figuring out where he go- like stands in the universe. His is like a colder realization because, yeah, he does realize he's not going to save the world. Right. Or potentially he realizes that the things he has to do, the choices he has to make, the moments of agency and change that he is going to impart, he has to do by himself. He doesn't have Grimson anymore. He doesn't have like a safety net of it being like it's yeah. all part of a pattern. Because really, like it's all part of a pattern just means like whatever he chooses, it's right. You know, like and, and he knows. Yeah. 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 I'm 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 on a path. And not, he knows that um, that's not true anymore. So he can let go 
of those grand schemes, but I feel like he has kind of a fatalistic approach when he leaves. He's not in a good emotional place, I think, when he leaves. He is still, he is still, like, he's decided right. that, like, he's going to, he is by himself and he does not feel connection to those around him in the same way, which is why when he's, like, talking to him, he's like, I'm not going to follow you around anymore. Like, it's okay. I'm going to let go of this piece of myself, which I don't think, I don't think is, like, where I want him to be. No, yeah. not at all. And I, I think Annie mm-hmm. kind of lets him down a little bit there. Like, you know, he's, I get the feeling when he first approaches her in the rain, like right after they leave, like if she wanted mm-hmm. to continue a relationship, he would want to. Um, and she's yeah. like, instead of very wrapped up in her own stuff and very standoffish and, um, yeah. So I, I think that also shows like, she's not all great either it it takes like more time and more processing and dare i say more talking it out with someone like you wouldn't therapy when she talks to her dad <laughs> to kind of piece it all together um yeah and so it it takes him time too i think and you know owen i think would have benefited from that yeah. but he he didn't have anyone um until yeah. he got committed by his family and even then, because he's even more cut off, more far away from everything, he's just so terrified of, of the option B he keeps talking about where, you know, it was a real connection and it is an actual loss or a loss that will happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really, uh, I think that's a really good take. It's interesting because like he comes out of, he he goes he learns in the study that he needs connection that he wants connection that's like really important to him um, but comes out of the study and like the only thing he's able to do actionably is that like to have autonomy to not just be a pawn like to when he's at the trial and he's on the stand and like he's even asked his father like they got an offer for settlement and he's like you know if you just accepted it mm-hmm. i wouldn't have to lie you know and his his father's like, nah, definitely not going to do that at all. And so um, he he gets up on the stand and he ends up actually doing what is right, which is his his shithead of a brother forced a woman that was his employee to um, urinate on him as a part of a sexual arousal thing. And she hated it and like leaves like miserable and uh and they're making her out to be a liar and like a gold digger and stuff and um and he says there's this great moment where they're like so does this look like your brother and he's like no it doesn't it is my brother i'm sorry i was lying i'm not a liar like this is shitty and you don't deserve that you know which, of course, leads his brother to do the worst fucking thing and, like, ruin his brother's life by making it seem like he had a psychotic break, just like he threatened he would. Because his brother's a real... His brother's, his brother's a, bad a real dude. bad dude. But, this you know. storyline is really interesting to me because definitely, you know, Judd's a bad guy. Definitely what he does is, like, it, like yeah. it's, it's purposefully deviant and like weird and people are like oh god like that'd be terrible that'd be a terrible thing to have to be forced to do to somebody i did sort of feel like they didn't want us to get too in the weeds with the sexual assault angle and i felt kind of weird about that do you know what i mean like yeah well i it it gets so down well i think it's interesting because i think it's more about like the fact that like 
uh, for me, I viewed mm-hmm. it as the fact that it's all through his family's lens um, and that they so totally don't view that as an issue or a problem. Like it, her, their, her father, who like obviously knows that this actually happened, um, you know, like can't imagine that anyone would not want to <laughs> golden be boy. golden boy and therefore she's a liar and like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, golden showers. <laughs> anyway, like so like. The I think that it I think that that is supposed to be like that his family doesn't think that this person has any autonomy in general. So like, yeah. how can you assault someone who's not even like a person? You well, know what I mean? And it's interesting because it's like his. It's clear. It seems like his dad and his brothers know what's up, but like his fiance and his mom are kind of in the dark about what the actual facts are. But they're just like. Yeah. Clearly, this couldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, they're full on Lena Dunning it. Yeah. Dunning. Yeah. 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 Like, they, they willfully. They don't want to hear about it. They just assume Jed couldn't have done this, but also don't bother us with any facts. Um, yeah. And it's like really highlighted that their whole family is like that because in the courtroom scene, they show the video evidence and then you see everyone's head tilt to look at what's happening, like really far to the side. Um, but the entire family is just staring straight ahead. Like they will not acknowledge or see any proof contrary to what they believe. Oh, yeah. I love that read. That's so solid. Yeah. And I had like I had noticed everyone else tilting, but you're right. Like they don't tilt at all. They don't even they don't even try. That's yeah. I also think it's really funny when like when Owen is like, that doesn't look like my brother and Jed and the lawyer are like, yes. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that you guys are off the hook. But it's like, cis white man just made a proclamation. That's the answer. And like, yep. like who cares yeah. what anyone else thinks? Who cares that there's a video that everyone's on? But they act like they're like, linchpin. Like, you're like, no. What are you out of your <laughs> minds? Like, yeah. And then, of course, then Owen delivers the crushing, punishing blow. Of it yeah. is my brother. I, I kind of wish that it. they'd launched the defense that it was actually Grimsome, not Jed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would be great. That would uh, that would work. Uh, his his twin in utero that he uh, absorbed um, or strangled. No, strangled the the yes, strangled. Um, yeah. I, oh, uh, just one more thing. I did kind of wish that they had not. I mean, I, I, I understand that the reason that they have the um, the prosecuting attorney go in on Owen and be like, you're schizophrenia, right? Like, could this be a thing? Do you think you can see your brother, but you can't? Like, blah, 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 blah. I felt like that was like a sign that it was like, oh, like everyone will everyone will use his mental illness to prove a point. You know, like that was kind of that was that was the message of it. I did yeah. feel like it was like a little weird to yeah. see like. The person who's defending an absolute, like, probably the most clear victim in the story going in on him on that. I really wish that they had flipped that because they yeah. could have done they could yeah. have done that. I, I feel like you could have done the same thing, but have the, the attorney turn on him instead. And it would have been even more awful. But I don't know. No, I, I, I would back that up. Like, I understand why in a trial you would say that if someone's saying, I definitely saw my brother and they have yeah. delusions about your brother. But, yeah, this is not real life. This is a, a a series, a limited series, limited if you will. series, and uh, and yeah, no, you're right. That that could not have 
that onus did not have to be on them. Um, no, I, I just felt like that's what made me feel disconnected from from that story as much as I did. And I was like, oh, that's kind of crummy. Like we you could have saved that. Like you didn't have to you didn't have to make even the prosecuting attorney be against them. You yeah. could have allowed those people to be like absolutely on the right, you know? Yeah. Know. In every way. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's fair, though, because it's like it just shows the pervasiveness of what he's dealing with. Like even in his um, his like B, no, C pill like things, he's talking about how he's mentis like competent or whatever, like yeah, compass mentis. Compass yeah. mentis. Yeah. So like, I mean, I think it's important to show like he's not totally delusional about some of that stuff. Like that's going to mm-hmm. be a thing that comes up again and again for him, even with his own family. Unless he gets a whole new identity and goes on the road with a new friend. Which leads us to the one moment where everyone gets to stop dancing around (laughs) what happens at the end. I'm sorry, guys. I love you all. I'm sorry. I just wanted to leave it here. So, um, yeah. Real quick, I thought, uh, you know, Kate. uh, (laughs) Ross Perot over here. Third person. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. So, I have posited to my lovely co-hosts that this is a love story about friendship, so like a platonic love story, um, and that like there's there's a lot that leads up to this we haven't talked about because like I kind of want to talk about like this end. Um, you hear Owen uh, talk to uh, Adelaide or whatever her name is, the uh, <clears throat> Judd's fiance, yeah. and uh, tell her that like. You know, they could run away together and she's like, we would be married couple. He's like, we could be brother and sister. Like, we could be friends. Like, that isn't what's important. He just, like, wants someone to, like, take care of him, take care of him. Uh, when Annie, after they're out of the B-Pill experience, asks, like, what would you have done with Don Quixote chapters? He's like, you know, I had this. And, and I think she's asking, like, what would be the fantasy you would retreat into? Because this last chapter was supposed to, like, make you uh, disappear into fantasy for the rest of your life. And he's like, I had this idea that, like, we would escape together and we'd just be looking out for each other. And, uh, you know, it would be the two of us. Um, I had a big smile on my face when being chased and, like, a smile the size that it hurt. And it would just be, like, us taking care of each other. So then at the end, after... While Annie's in her friend proxy moment, she sees a newspaper. Who wants to pick it up and talk about what happens at the end? (laughs) Beautiful things. That's what happens. Um, (laughs) I just love the end of this. Like, even thinking about it, I get, like, warm heart feels. Um, Mm -hmm. But, so basically, she picks it up and she's like, holy crap, that's Owen. That's, his family had him committed. And I love that the friend proxy is like, they committed me? What? It's it's really great. (laughs) Um... But then she, like, shows up at the hospital, signing in as Linda, and I guess she signs Bruce, maybe, or someone above her did that. Um, And she finds Owen, and it looks like when she first shows up, Owen thinks Mm -hmm. she might be a hallucination. Like, she keeps talking to him, and he keeps moving benches to get away from her, not really looking at her. Um, And finally, she's like, all right, I'm going to that bathroom over there. We're going to get you out of here. Like, I'll see you there in 30 seconds. And then... Well, I, I love this line she has before that where she's like, this isn't going to work for me. And I don't think it's working for you. But this idea that, like, yeah, you're committed. But, like, by the way, this isn't <laughs> going to work for me for you to be committed. Okay? Like, I need a, I need this to yeah. change. Like, I just love that. Anyway, go ahead. Right. I love it. 
Um, but then they get into the bathroom and he's like clearly in the start of a panic attack um, while she's trying to like get him to put on these clothes. And she's like, oh, sorry, they're my dad's. They're <laughs> trash. Um, but put them on anyway. And he's just like, why? Why are you here? And when she's like, because we're friends, like, as though that was the most obvious answer in the world, you idiot. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Like, if that's what it is, he's just, like, so happy about it. And I love it. Um, and then they hop in the car and she's got another dog, yeah. Harpo, well, I believe Mark's brother's yeah. rescue dog's yeah. name. Makes sense. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and then they're just driving around the roundabout from this hospital for a minute because she can't find the exit um and then they peel out and it's just like such a beautiful moment it's like the first time we really see owen smile at all and ever it's like he ever. just can't stop he can't stop smiling and even she's smiling and i had like this fear when i first watched it that it was gonna like turn into like the ending of the graduate where like everyone's yeah. smiling and suddenly like they both look miserable i had the um, same exact thought there has to be something about the blocking of that scene no there has to be that's wild but i did the same it's the same yeah, yeah where they're like it's like super similar <laughs> and i was like oh no when are they gonna be sad nope nope just happy i know yeah um, but it's just like a beautiful, beautiful end. And it's so hopeful. And I feel like so much of yeah. this, um, actually, like the whole series, you're focused on the past. Like the future is not really a thing that is thought about or even really like considered. Um, and it's kind of nice that they're just going out into this like blank, yeah, open future. I like that. That's really so. smart. And it gets restated in that coda where like. He's like, so we're just going to drive this whole thing like Salt Lake City. She's like, it might not make us there, but uh, we'll figure it out. Like, this is like, like you said, Mary, the uh, fantastical voyage. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in the driver's seat. She's the Don Quixote. And this this truck might not make it, but we'll get there at some point. And, and that's enough. And, you know, I love that last time mm. where he's like, do we even know each other? She's like, we're off to a good start. Which, yeah, that's sweet. Because so it, do you it all is think one it's, of those things, like, they know the basic parts of each other, right? Like, they know, they know who each other such really fundamental are. things that other people don't just know about their friends. Like, they know, they know like, these root pieces that, like, if these, if you can be compatible with someone's core trauma and core self and core desires, then the rest will fall into place, you know? So... Uh, clearly i think it's believable and earned uh that they come together like this and trust one another do you all think it's believable and earned is this reunion earned in the series yeah well one of my favorite things about it is i love how delightfully low stakes the real world is compared to the escapades in their minds oh my god like yes (laughs) like like it's just and you realize that like it's like all these things all these fears that they have like they're all just up in their own heads like like right like he is held at this facility but like it's not that hard to bust him out sure like she could do it you know like you're like oh yeah like that's fine I saw it in, she says I saw it in a movie once this works <laughs> yeah. like Fa- favorite plan like yeah I saw it in a movie yeah. it worked we'll do it <laughs> we'll do it and like and right like I mean like it's it is like they are getting chased like if they get caught they'll like drag him back in yeah absolutely but like they're laughing about it like it's not they're not getting shot at there's no yeah there's like it's it's wonderfully low stakes and I thought that that was a beautiful like idea of how we like create problems in our own minds and like we we hinder ourselves so much. But the real world, like you're gonna be fine. Like it's good. Yeah. Go on a trip. 
Like yeah. you need to you need to face the future with optimism and hope because that you know, why not? Why the hell not? You know, you should. Yeah. That will carry you through. That will get you. Yeah. Yeah. I will that's... say, though, that's super lack security for a mental health hospital. Like, <laughs> just this throwing is, that well, out there. Well, again, it's not even a state-run facility. All right? Like, what yeah, are you doing there? Like, like this, like, I think the, the, the implication there, because at first when he, she said not even state-run, I was like, wait, does that mean, like, this place sucks? No, opposite. It's I cushy. think it's like, yeah. You, if you really wanted to get out yeah. of here, you yeah. could. You know, you're choosing yeah. to stay here. Or like, yeah. there, there is some, there is some agency that he has. He's not committed by the state. That, that this was like a plea deal, yeah. and now he's here instead. But like, it's like it's a, it's like rich people prison, right? Like, it's it's okay. There's you yeah. can probably do yoga on the premises. Uh, yeah, no, that place <laughs> yeah. definitely has yoga. Um, so you know. But no yeah, I think it's believable, it. and it's and it feels it feels earned um, for these two. I'm happy for these yeah. two, um, and I'm so relieved. The first time I watched it, I wasn't totally sure. It, like I had watched, a, like binged it, and I got the end, and I was like, "Wait, are they supposed to be like in like romantic love with each other?" And I did not like it. I was like, "This end sucks. <laughs> like, what? That doesn't make any sense." But on rewatch, like I like the friend proxy. I agree 100. percent It's completely platonic, and I'm into it. So. I think it would have been yeah. It well, and I and I also I also love that read about how like all the things that didn't work before in their relationship was the fact that they were trying to be like married and divorced yeah. and coworkers like friendships yeah. the only thing that they've makes already sense. they've already cycled through all the other options yeah well so any final thoughts impressions do we recommend this why or why not that sort of stuff. Um. Yeah. Oh, Megan, you we wanna... should let Megan have the yeah. last word. Yeah. Fair. 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 Okay. Well then, Mary. Um. Yes, I do. I do recommend this with with slight reservations. I think that the story is totally worth it for um, Annie and Owen and their their main arc. So a plot, I'm fully on board with. I think it's fun. Um, yeah. My reservations and like I, I I think we need to have more stories about platonic love between men and women. Um, I think that that edges us yeah. in a in a place of equality. So that's like a good feminist ideal. Um, I think it's Annie is a great main character. She, you know she's noteworthy in this space for being a person with mental health problems, and she's a woman. And she, like, figures stuff out, but, like, she's not all the way fixed, and that's okay. She can still, like, be a good person and, like, and live a good life. So I think that that's, like, important stuff. Um, my reservations are, I think that there are, like, there are kind of, like, hollow points in this uh, in this show where they, like, try to kind of fill it. Totally. And it, it makes, it cheapens the work in a way that I'm like, why'd you do that? Like, just make it eight episodes long. Like, don't, you know, like, it, it creates... It creates some like hoodwinkery for the for the audience, and so you start feeling like like you're like, do I even how invested am I? Do I really trust this? And that that makes me sad. I think it under. Yeah, no, I know people who weren't able to overcome like, it, who are still watching yeah. it, but haven't like finished it. Like they don't consider it something that they're not going to finish. Yeah. But like, and then know. of course. And then, of course, That's all the stuff problem. with uh, Fujita and uh, Manta Ray Sr. and Gertie, I have beef with. I think that we can do better and we must do better. Um, and that this did not really, like, move forward a feminist agenda in a way that I would wish it did. Um, but, but yeah. you know, for the most part, like, yeah, like se- seven out of ten, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth your time, for sure. 
I'd probably rate it higher uh, because I because I'm honestly telling you to kind of ignore the B plot uh, because the A plot meant a lot to me because talking about mental illness and trauma meant a lot and to have it and um, in such a positive, hopeful space also meant a lot. And I, yeah, I love Annie and Owen. I think Annie's a fascinating character. I love that she's still like flawed at the end of it. Um, that means a lot to me. I also love that we start with this idea of like how we are propulsed towards human connection and that uh, that pays off in a big way. Um, but yeah, no, everything Mary said is totally true. I just, and this is problematic in its own way, I find it a little <laughs> bit easier to ignore. So don't take that as like advice for how to interact with the world. But in terms of my enjoyment of this, I would probably rank it like an 8.5 or even maybe a 9 because it's very intelligently done. And I love, I love that. I've watched this many times and I still am finding intelligent ways that they have like callbacks and self-referentialism and um, yeah, just it's, it's incredibly clever and rich. It's a rich text. I loved it. I would think I would probably do like 10 out of 10. <laughs> do, um, it, do, do it. Do it. Do it. I mean, I think like, yeah, there's definitely issues with editing. Like there's, episodes that drag i like the first one on a rewatch but the first time i watched it i was like what is happening <laughs> this is taking a really long time to set up this world and these characters for me to care about um yeah and then like we talked about the last few episodes like you could probably condense a lot of that a lot more cleanly um and there is like problematic issues with like putting down essentially a older woman because she's sad and has feelings um <laughs> having said yeah. that yeah. i still love this um, <laughs> i think it's like one of the few things that like as a psych kind of nerd like i've watched it and i think having that background makes it better um especially compared to so many other things that i watch where i'm like that's not how that works or like that's not what schizophrenia looks like or whatever um i felt like this was a lot more true to a lot of the mental health kind of conditions and how they look and how things actually are um which i loved and then there's all this you know the oedipal complex and symbolism kind of throughout the whole thing that was just like really fun for me um but also just I love the characters and, you know, Annie is such an incredible, strong woman that it's really cool to kind of watch her progression and watch her deal with this stuff and Owen, too. Um, so I loved it. But Yay. Excellent. I love that. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to be here for uh, for this 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 episode because um, it was really special having uh, you as our guest. So thank you, Megan. Yeah, man, and you're a treat and a gem, and you're welcome back any old time. So if you see anything else that you want to do, just let us know. Yeah, oh, I definitely will. We'd yes. love to have you back. <laughs> and uh, next next time, we'll be doing the, how tall is this woman again, Mary? The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Woohoo! Yeah. You've all seen the poster. Now see the movie! <laughs> <laughs> is how I feel about this. Yeah. And we're talking about the original 1958 version, not the Christopher Guest remix, although I do want to watch that movie now. I had no idea that they had been remade, so... Uh, Christopher Guest and Daryl Hannah. Wild. Ooh, anyway, we might have yeah. to get into it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But we're starting with the original first. 
perfect. As always, thank you for listening to Space Bras. Head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. Um, and be sure to visit our website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras to see our show notes and find other podcasts. Um, also, follow us on social media. We're most active on Instagram and Twitter. You can see lots of fun GIFs. Um, and, you know, slide into our DMs if you wish. That'd be great. Yeah. Or like pu- pu- publicly post something. I don't know. Yeah. You can, you can post something to us. You can always, uh, you know, write a review about what you like about us. You can slide into our DMs and tell us what we need to do better on. You can you can do anything. We're, we're if you're here. Gonna, if you're going to flatter us, do it in public. If you're going to criticize <laughs> us, do it in private. Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. I just wasn't like saying it. But yeah, no, let's, let's, let's be real. Anyway. <laughs> And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Just...